It's game week, K-Staters. That's right. Kansas State football plays an actual football game on Saturday. And you're probably pretty fired up. I know I am. And I know all of us at GoPowerCat.com are ready for some football. But you know what you need? You need a subscription to GoPowerCat.com. And for the next couple days, we're offering an incredible deal if you're uncertain if GPC is right for you. You can get two months. That's right. Two months for $1. That's one heck of a test drive. Give us a try. GoPowerCat.com. Two months, $1 right now. Act right now because this special ends soon. And then enjoy all the great content from GoPowerCat.com. And now, here's the PowerCat Podcast. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. It is Wednesday, and that means it's time for the PowerCat Questions Podcast, the original podcast from GoPowerCat.com. If you are a member at GPC, you get to ask us questions over at Wabash Station, and we answer them on this podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, your trifecta of knowledge for this podcast. Guys, are you kind of sad? I'm just a little bit... uh, blue that we're not going to do the overtime all football season there's something about the overtime zach that's just part of me yeah maybe we can squeeze in some questions at the end not this one there's no uh, we're all business here (laughs) but if you guys want to put in actually there was one that was for the overtime last week's overtime questions weren't very good so (laughs) some people saved some of them because they could have been asked on this podcast so we got at least one of those and Gills, but, that's how we used to do it. We used to just have one podcast. We'd do two halves and then the overtime. And uh, the overtime was the fun questions. So maybe. It won't be anything extensive like what we've done. But if you want to ask us a good question, if it's a good one, yeah, ask it. Maybe it'll make the end. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll uh, see. I, I'm using a Zoom background today that uh, sums up my life. It's very distracting. Yeah, I can't focus. Yeah, well, it's my life in a fishbowl, and I am amongst the fishies. It's a shout-out to Tyler Dryling, our good friend. <laughs> uh, if I, I ever need a dive instructor, I have one in my Rolodex. I don't have a Rolodex. Why did I say that? Zach, that's like saying, I drove the Edsel. Gil, do you even know what a Rolodex is? No, sir. Okay, there we go. I am full of dated references. What's not dated is going to the fridge. Go to the fridge if you're in town Saturday. Stop at the fridge even though you can't tailgate. But nothing says you can't chug in your car. Do illegal <laughs> stuff. I don't know what I'm saying. What? <laughs> I don't know. Just actually, you should go to the fridge and then... Uh, Drive down into that parking lot a little bit because it's a weekend, so most of those places aren't open, and tailgate there. Just just tailgate somewhere in town and then go to the game. I hope you're coming to the game. I hope some of you make it to the game so that you can report on how weird it was at the game. Zach will be there. Zach will be. I will. 
tied away in a press box. He will not be able to leave. It's going to be weird. It's going to be like 2016 where I wasn't like fired, but I still worked, but I didn't get to film anything. And you went ahead and hired other people you, and gave Katie my camera. That's the way it works, man. It was weird. <laughs> it's going to be you got every four years I get to sit in the press box. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be strange. I'm going to be here at home, and the game will be like less than a half mile from me. Very strange. But I'm looking forward to it. Maybe I'll go down to the fridge just to say hi. Hey, it's game day. I thought I'd come say hi to the fridge. You got Die Hard on VHS? If you go to Aggieville, make sure you go into Tanner's in the high-low and tell them Fitz said hi. Uh, hopefully they know who I am. It's been so long. Guys, I feel like nobody it's been so long. Me. It's nobody knows me anymore. Like even my friends, I'll call up Mark or Charlie or one of my Aggieville friends, Jeff or Jason, and they'll say, who is this? I don't even know who you are. That's how long it's been. Just, New phone, who dis? How much just it has been. Does that work when the person texting has a new phone? Yeah. Because I have a new phone, so I don't know if that'll work. You didn't get a new number, though. Nope, nope, same number. Same number as always, because I can't memorize a new number, because I'm dumb. Speaking of dumb, get ready for my answers. It's the questions podcast. Gills, let's have you read some questions, and then the three of us can respond to those questions, and at the end, we'll all say, yay, we're done. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. First question of the podcast from TDE67. Arkansas State looks fairly solid against the run. Could we see the offense try to air it out a bit more this week? Well, I'm worried about that three-man front. I. It doesn't matter if it's been Bill Snyder or Chris Kleiman. They can't seem to block a three-man front. They struggled with it last year quite a bit. Um, so hopefully they can get that worked out. But now with a new offensive line, it's going to be a real challenge. Uh, but they do kind of beg you to run the ball. Um, they kind of sit back and zone a little bit, and they, you know, uh, and you got to kind of run it to loosen it up a little bit, and you know, be able to throw the ball, bring those safeties up, and get some more angles to throw the ball. I don't know how K State will run the ball. So much of this is based on this offensive line, and we don't know how far advanced the offensive line is. Zach, I'm. That's my number one thing I'm going to watch on Saturday. How cohesive is this line, particularly when we got the depth chart and we're not sure all the players on the depth chart are going to be able to play. I agree. I mean, you take in offensive line. Offensive line, they have to play every snap, whether you're passing or throwing it. You know, when you talk about passing it, I don't know if the wide receivers are going to be healthy for for the game. You know, who knows who could be out there. So if you have both of those key position groups, you know, out with, with COVID or having to quarantine or whatever, you know, I think it's going to be rough either, you know, depending on what your personnel are. Um, but I really, I don't see really any different game plan going into this game compared to what we saw last year. You know, like I've said, you know, I think, you know, you're going to see the three running backs kind of rotate in and out, you know, each have a series, you know, whoever's the most successful on the run, you know, will, 
will be the one that prevails probably for the, for the rest of the game. And then passing, I think that they will open up the passing game a little bit more, um, especially adding in Bradley Moore. I feel like him as a tight end, Nick Leonard's being back. You know, I think that we'll see more passes throughout the season uh, than what we saw last year, but I don't know about the first game. I think it's all just going to kind of depend on, on who comes out for warmups and go from there. Next question from Colorado cat for the Arkansas state game. What are your game predictions highlights or things that you think you will be discussing after the game? Well, Zach alluded to it. I think they're going to have to get a little bit creative on offense or they've got some absences in receivers along the offensive line, maybe at running back. I don't know. Um, I think they'll be using running backs and tight ends as receivers and uh, just trying to put things together, trying to put playmakers in positions to make plays and all that's moot if the offensive line can't handle its job. Defensively, I'm excited to see how much this defensive line and this front seven is going to attack. Will they kind of hold them back a little bit? Or will Joe Klanderman come out and say, hey, this is my defense now and uh, I'm coming after you because I have the feeling that's the way he's going to try to play defense a little bit more. When they talk about uh, being stronger at corner, being more athletic at corner, that is messaging that they're able to play man a lot more than they have. And we've been seeing this build up. Of course, that was the, always the excuse why Kansas State couldn't do it under Tom Hayes. They didn't have the corners, uh, even though they had a guy that's in the NFL now. But anyhow, um, they seem more comfortable with that. They seem more willing to take the chances right now and go some – so I'm, how much will they mix in man with zone and, and actually – get creative with the defenses in Arkansas state. I'm, I'm really fired up. I'm, I, I'll be honest. I, I mentioned this in the afterthoughts. I thought we'd start the day with a cancellation. I just had this bad feeling. I had absolutely no sources on it. I just had a feeling there's so many cases uh, and compounding that there's so many quarantine players because of the cases that may not have it, but they're quarantined. I thought K-State might be nearing that threshold where you can, ask for the no contest and, and try to reschedule a game. But, you know, I don't know, guys. Chris Kleiman just kind of puts out this this attitude like, yeah, we got a bunch of cases. We're going to play. You know? It's like we're going to play, and we're going to find a way to get a team on the field. And I think that's really admirable. He's not trying to duck out. He's just He wants to go ahead and play, and he's got his guys and might have to get creative with how they do things, but they're going to do things. And Fitz, I was, I was with you. I had a bad feeling about this too. If we were going to get a cancellation, I feared that it was going to come before the press conference. The fact we had a press conference today also makes it seem like we're going to play like there will be football and you got to take into account how long has these quarantine, have these quarantines been going on for how many of these positives, so to speak, are recent or, you know, they're coming at the tail end of their quarantine period and their positive period. You know, who knows if the, you know, at what time point they are at the time frame of, of what those positive tests are. There could be some guys that, you know, the doctors say, Hey, they're good to go tested negative, you know, twice in 24 hours or however, you know, they want to do it. They'll say, Hey, good to go. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. It seems like if you're testing negative and in quarantine, after 10 days, you should be fine. This should not be a two, three-week thing. I don't get it. I mean, 
I know they say it can be 14 days, but for the most part, I think they've decided people are showing signs within seven to 10 days if they have it. So uh, did you sense a little bit of frustration from Chris Kleiman on not exactly knowing how long guys are out until, you know, they just the doctors tell him when they're ready to go. He just, I just kind of felt like he's like, yeah, I don't even know what the protocol is right now. They're just they're gone, and then the doctors tell me they're back. Yeah, I think there was some frustration there, but I think everybody's equally frustrated. Players, doctors, probably too. It's just it, the way this virus works. It's different in everybody, and that's kind of why you have these long quarantine times and. And I mentioned on Wabash, someone asked about, you know, what's what the 14 days thing. And at least early on during the pandemic, doctors and scientists said, hey, this could incubate, you know, even 14 days after you had exposure to somebody that had it. So I think that's why there's a lot of caution here. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's about trying to limit infections inside teams and transmitting it to other teams and if sitting a key player out for 14 days means you can have 10 games of football all season versus none i mean yeah it sucks it's a terrible situation but at the end of the day it's about maximizing the the amount of football you can play uh, by the end of the year and we by the way folks we put ron gilbert in a containment box we don't know that he has anything. We just felt like he needed to be contained in a padded room, which is where he's at right now. But it's a lovely lavender and black padded room, so it's nice. I helped I help build these walls. This was all my work. Man, that sounds like a, I don't know, a Jefferson Starship song or something. That's a dated reference, too. I'm sorry I did that to you, Gills. I really, <laughs> really apologize. Next question from Wildcat Pilot eighty eight. Does K State perform better or worse than Memphis did against Arkansas State? Uh yeah, I I have absolutely nothing to go on. Um I'm fearful the answer is worse. I think Arkansas State's a good team. Um mm-hmm. and I just I'm so unsettled right now about the offensive side of the ball with this offensive line and receivers being down and linemen being down and I don't know what they're going to look like. I, I really think this is a game in which the defense needs to come out and dictate its its intentions to the Arkansas State offense. You know, back in the day, K-State's defense was so aggressive and so good that uh, on bad offensive days, the defense could outscore the opposition or at least set up so many short fields for the offense through turnovers or you know special teams that, it was impossible not to win. We're going to have to get a dose of that, I think, on Saturday for Kansas State to really have an easy victory. I, I think eventually, offensively, they'll be good. But right now, there's just so many unknowns. I'm I'm unsettled about it. I agree, Fitz. I think that the defense needs to set the tone early uh, this week. And I think that, you know, like we've talked about here, you know, there's so many questions for personnel on offense Memphis scored a decent amount of points against Arkansas state and they did, they did pretty good. I don't know if K state's going to be able to score that much. So I think it's, it's going to be key to keep Arkansas state to a low number of points just to give your offense a chance. You know, if we are expecting all of these absences. Piggybacking off of what you're talking about earlier too. Um, this gives K state a really good chance to show off the schematics too, with all the question marks around the team. Um, but I think I'll, I'll go K 
K-State does does better than Memphis. I think, you know, perhaps they're not going to score as many points. I think it was, what, 30-some points. But um, the defense is really going to have to carry this team for sure. Next question from K-Ned. The offensive line is going to be the heaviest in years. Is this what Connor Riley wants in an offensive line, or can these guys move well for their size? Yeah, that caught me off guard a little bit. They don't want sheer size. They want athletes. Um, I still don't think this offensive line is quite what they want. They might be bulkier um, than maybe they're seeking. But then again, last year was their first tour in the Big 12. Maybe they've come to realize they're going to need that bulk. I mean, there's some really good defensive linemen in this league that will push around a 270-pound lineman. No matter how athletic they are, they just get bullied. So, yeah, that was an interesting number for me, that they're going to be that sizable. Uh, because they do want guys that can pull and cut and do a lot of different things that uh, they weren't fully capable of doing last year because they just weren't quite athletic enough. Yeah, I think that they'll want more athletic guys. But at the same time, I think you are going to need that size. You know, there are, like you mentioned, there's a ton of good defensive linemen in the Big 12 that you need to be a, a heavy offensive lineman and have some weight there to have any chance of fending them off. Um but I, yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting that this is the heaviest offensive line in years. And K-State has had some really good offensive linemen through, you know, throughout the last decade, you know, yeah. just seeing who's, who's in the pros and knowing that they might've been lighter than what this group is. Maybe that, maybe that makes them more successful and sets them up for, for going to the pros. Like a lot of these guys have, I don't know. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Next question from I Like Pickles Cat. Which of these receivers makes the biggest jump from last year? Landry Weber, Jabaston Taylor, Joaquin Gill, or Phillip Brooks? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, purely guesswork. I'm going to go with Joaquin Gill. I think he's going to kind of slide into some of the Dalton shown roles. Maybe not the actual role, not the position, but. Uh, I think he'll be the guy on third down that Skyler will just kind of find because he's pretty reliable. But I, and I'd like it to be Sebastian Taylor because if that guy makes a breakthrough, my goodness, you know, that you got a receiver of that kind of size that becomes a legitimate threat. It's really stressful on a defense. But I, I think Gill's going to have a really nice season. I think he's going to kind of. Uh, look a little bit like a Curry Sexton out there. Run a lot of routes, really kind of a safety valve, make a lot of catches, um, and really important to this offense. Yeah, uh, Fitz, what you said is exactly what, what I was thinking. Uh, Wyking Gill, he, was, he had a really good last half of the season last year. You know, he scored a touchdown, might have scored multiple touchdowns. I didn't look up what the number was, but he really was starting to kind of emerge as a, as a decent option there. And, you know, you lose shown, uh, but I, yeah, I think Viking Gill could be that Curry Sexton type guy. And I think that, you know, if, if young blood and Knowles are going to be the, the number, the, the one and two, you know, Gill is probably most primed to get into that, you know, number three option, kind of like Curry Sexton was throughout his career. Um, yeah. As much as you'd love it to be Sebastian Taylor, I don't think that Sebastian's going to make the jump. Next question from Files. Where is Jacardia Wright? I thought that of the freshman running backs from last year, Jacardia flashed the most potential. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. Coach Kleiman did 
note on Tuesday that he had some period out. So I don't know if he was a COVID or uh, if he had another injury that he's just kind of catching up now uh, that he'll be in the mix at running back. He just didn't make the depth chart. So uh, my, I, from what I'm guessing, what he's saying is he's the fourth guy right now. And um, I just, I, I found that interesting that without Joe Irvin, you'd kind of think that maybe Jacardia would move right into a big role, but apparently he's not quite ready for that. Uh, and Deuce Vaughn has shown up. I mean, they love this kid. The, the players were talking about how difficult he is to manage as a defender. You got to know where Deuce Vaughn is. Um, I think they said he's going to be a real pain in the passing game. So there's, I thought that was interesting. So maybe there's some flexibility there that he brings to the table. And maybe Jacardi is a lot more like um, Tyler Burns in how they run bigger guys, kind of North South guys. So, um, Maybe he's just kind of trapped on the depth chart, or maybe he's just not healthy enough right now. But I'm sure he'll be in a role as the season progresses. I agree. I think I think he'll show up. You know, especially by the end of the season, he may be showing up a little more. Uh, I think it's crazy that Deuce Vaughn jumped him. Yeah. I think it's crazier that Tyler Burns jumped him because you probably would have considered Tyler Burns as of the, the of the running backs that played somewhat regularly last year, Tyler Burns is probably at the bottom, even after Joe Irvin and Jacardia. Yeah, and that's did. not a slight to Tyler Burns or uh, to Tyler Burns. I thought I called him Morgan there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I tripped myself. Um, that's he's a good running back, but yeah, I, either he made some really good strides or Jacardia made, you know, like you said, he might've had some time out, could have regressed a little bit, but, and then the fact that Deuce Vaughn is an or with Tyler Burns, Get ready. He could be he could be a dude. Yeah, and he's not the only freshman running back they really like. And the fact that this season doesn't count, they don't have to worry about four fewer games and just play. Uh, it's going to be entertaining. I really want to see who gets on the field. Next question from Randolph the Iguana. Mm. Do you think Will Howard being so high on the depth chart has more to do with him or the competition? Him. I think it's him. I mean, they like Jaron Lewis, too, and he's not even on the depth chart. So here's here's what I think's going on. I think Will Howard's the number two, unless let's say Skyler turns an ankle in the fourth quarter against Arkansas State, and K State's up by three touchdowns. They'll they'll put in Nick Austin, manage the game, and <clears throat> go run it. Don't make mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. Be safe with it. But if heaven forbid Skyler Thompson gets hurt over a prolonged period and is going to miss a number of games, they'll They'll probably go with Will Howard, bite the bullet, let him learn and on the field because he can make plays. So I think they truly do share that number two. One is kind of the reliable guy they know will come in and not lose the game, and the other guy's a little bit more of a gamble that can go win games and just see how it plays out. But uh, I think it's encouraging he's on that depth chart. They're raving about him. I mean, he doesn't know the offense well enough, but he's doing things they really, really like. Fitz, I'm kind of the opposite for you. I think if, if Skyler goes down early, like Jesse Ertz, I think they put Nick Austin. I think that they try, you know, if, if it's 0-0 or even if K-State's down, I really think that they'll go with the experienced guy just to kind of set a rhythm, set a tone. I mean, this, you know, first game, any game, I think that Nick Austin is probably the, the first option. If Nick Austin doesn't work out, you know, for a quarter or a couple quarters, I think that, 
Will Howard's going to get the keys. And I think it's, it's, it's Nick Oss job to lose. If it, if it becomes Nick Oss job, it's his to lose. And once, once he has, you know, a moment where, and it's unfortunate and it'll be unfortunate, but once he has a moment where he just, he can't get it done, you know, it, it'll be time to turn it over to the future and give it to Will Howard. We have something similar here with the podcast. I haven't told Gills this, but we also have Choo Choo, the sign language baboon uh, that can step in and fill in for Gills if he doesn't do a good job. So we do have a backup <laughs> baboon. And I think that's that's just a good good thing to have around the office is a backup baboon. Am I the tiebreaker here between you guys? Uh, uh Yeah. Break kind of sure. I I lean towards your side, Fitz. Um, yeah, because who signs the, the paychecks? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the ceiling's a little bit higher for Will Howard, I believe. Um, I don't know if Nick Ost has much um, much potential. I know he does, but obviously, I think Will Howard, especially you know with talent, I think can do a lot more. So, I think they want to win games, and if they really want to do that, I think Howard's going to be that guy. Uh, if someone goes out for a long period of time, but uh, like you're saying, Zach, um, I think there might be a little bit of a shorter leash with whoever that guy may be, just because there is kind of a two man backup game going on. And I think it's completely situational too. Yeah. I mean, in, I think in a game, in a game situation, I think you're going to, you're going to play Nick. And if it's a practice situation, let's say, you know, next Wednesday in practice, Skyler goes down. Well, you got two weeks to prepare for Oklahoma. Why not put have a couple true freshman quarterbacks going at each other? Mm-hmm. You know, get if and if Skyler's going to be down for an extended period of time, yeah, give it to Will. But I think, you know, kind of what I was describing was more kind of game time and and Jesse Ertz like. I think that Nick Ostis, the Joe Hubner here, you know, good enough most of the time, but not your preferred option. There we go. I agree with that. <laughs> Last question of the first half from Files. Is defensive tackle our biggest question mark on this team? Oh, no, it's offensive line. But defensively, uh, I wouldn't say defensive tackle. I would say depth at defensive tackle. I mean, they f- they feel really good about that front line pair of guys. And, but beneath that, they are worried about it because I, I think the junior college guys haven't been quite as ready as they hoped uh, and I think Jalen Pickle's been fighting some health things. But Drew Wiley and Eli Huggins, I, I, I think they feel like they're front-line guys, that they've really stepped up and they're ready to play. But Derek Newton and Robert Hintz is second. You know, they've they got some a ways to go to get ready, but there's just going to be a rotation there. Jalen Pickle, when they this is one of those cases when they listed five guys on the depth chart, it was two guys and then a committee behind them. Uh, that's where m- my fear is, is that – uh, they have to rotate those positions, and they're not going to have enough quality. You're going to notice a drop-off, which you just can't have. So that, that's that's the way I feel about it. But I think offensive line is by far the biggest concern. Well, I agree with you that offensive line is a big question mark. I, I think that defensive tackle is a big question mark exactly for that depth. The two guys, Wiley and, and Huggins, they're fine. I you know Confidence is there, but... You know, they're running people in and out all the time. You know, I mean, that's just how the position is, at least on the offensive line. Those five guys are pretty much you're going to see. You might rotate one in or out for a series or two. But for the most part, the offensive line isn't subbing in and out. You know, defensive tackle, you might be subbing 
you know, every two, three plays. Um, and, and that depth, I think, makes the position just a big question mark. You need four or five guys that can come in. And, you know, if three of those are question marks, you know, you don't really know what, what they're going to bring to the table, at least with the offensive line. You know that Noah Johnson is going to be solid. You know that Josh Revis is going to be solid. There's still some more guys that are they're going to emerge. They're going to be fine, you know, and they're going to be on the field for almost every play. That's just not the same for defensive tackle. All right. Well, that's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. Good stuff. That was really good stuff. Plus, I got visited by my dogs during that half, and that's always enjoyable. That's a nice thing about the home office. You get dog visits. Don't get that at work. Well, if you do, it's kind of weird that someone else's dog is in your office. The dog could open the door and come into your it. Yeah, we're going to take a break. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by The Fridge. And, of course, our segment sponsors are Tanner's and The High Low. Make sure you visit all three when you're in town this Saturday. All three. Not one, not two. All three. Say hi from Fitz when you go in. And they'll go, who? But that's still fun. And as I mentioned at the top of the show... If you're listening to this podcast right now, well, I don't know when else you'd be listening to it. You're always listening in the moment. That got a little confusing. If you're listening to this podcast, let's go with that, and you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, solve that right now. Go subscribe. Two months, one buck. Two months, one buck. I better repeat it again because you may not realize what I'm saying. You can get two months of complete K-State coverage. You get behind the paywall. You get the good stuff. You become a VIP for two months for one stinking dollar. Man, that's a heck of a deal. But it ends soon, so take care of business. I can't believe it's game week, guys. Oh, Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert. Zach Carlson. I can't believe it's game week, guys. Man, I, I've i been waiting and waiting and waiting. Maybe that's why I thought the game would be canceled. Just because the COVID is haunting me. Just around every corner. 
but apparently we're going to play football. Not us, but let me be clear. We're, we're not actually playing. That would be bad because I'm old. I fall down a lot, which is actually kind of helpful. I could be the nose tackle. Just eat up bodies and fall down <laughs> if I could have snacks. Your questions from Wabash Station. Here's Ryan Gilbert. First question of the second half from Ricky Ticky Tabby. What will make this a successful season, both in terms of what does success look like for K-State this year and in terms of looking back and saying that this was a successful season in college football in general? A uh, successful season will be 87 to nothing over Clemson in the national championship game. Then I'll say it's successful. Uh, you know what? If this team uh, is above 500 in Big 12 play at the end of the year, I'm going to say it's successful. Whether they lose to Arkansas State, which would suck, or they win, I'm really, more than ever, I'm really focused on the Big 12 season. If they somehow go 6-3, and three, I'm going to be overjoyed. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think you measure yourself against your peers in your conference. And if in year two of a new coach they're above 500 both seasons, then I'm pretty damn happy about where they are in terms of laying a foundation. I'll say five wins would be successful, regardless of how many games they play. You know, who knows if games will get canceled in the future. And if they lose more than two games to being canceled, not actually losing them, I'd, you know, I'd say, you know, if they're going to play eight games, I'd say four, you know, just 500. If they can get to 500 in this goofy season that we're going to have, you know, that's, that's about as much as you can ask for here. And I think that's, that's what, you know, you'd see as successful and that probably gets you to a bowl game. I know that's a whole nother conversation that we don't really know anything about, but you know, I think if you can make it to a bowl game, even if there is no bowl game, you know, I think that's going to be the, the measuring stick of calling it a successful season this year. So Fitz, you talk about the teams um, in the conference and you, you said five wins would be great. Um, what other teams besides Oklahoma and Oklahoma State really can just go out and be better than K-State? I don't really see any team separating themselves at this point. So yeah. I think seven wins is successful. I think they can easily get five or six. Um, I'm, I've got the bar a little higher. I know we talked about this on the podcast a few weeks ago, but I'm a little more optimistic than you guys are on this for sure. I'm just I'm leery of uh, the oddity of this season. Mm -hmm. and they'll go into a week with – really short on something and just not play well. I mean, what happens if it hits your defensive end room and, you know, all of a sudden you're having to play other guys at defensive end or uh, you're short on defensive tackles and they just run the ball at you. Uh, that's what I'm worried about. I think there's going to be some helter-skelter nature to this season and, and it won't just happen to K-State. What we're seeing right now through college football is blowouts. But it's going to flip back the other way eventually and be upsets when the underdog is much healthier uh, and the the favored team, who everyone thinks is going to win by three touchdowns, goes into the game with six players not available that are key on top of injuries. Um, so it's it's just going to be a weird season. But I agree with you that I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are the two that K-State clearly has to catch up to. Texas on paper should be, but that's on paper. Um, uh, Iowa State has uh, one of the greatest college football coaches ever known. <laughs> uh, Bear Bryant uh, recently came back from the grave and said, 
I, I'm glad I'm not around to coach against Matt Campbell. He's that good at, <laughs> at winning six, seven, maybe eight games a season. It's, it's, he's the Bear Bryant of average is pretty much what he is. So you just never know. I keep hearing that Iowa State's going to make the breakthrough, uh, which might be uh, nine wins. But not this season because they don't have enough. So uh, they'll be happy in names with seven. That was my Iowa State rant. You can catch those every week right here on the Powercat Podcast. I guess to go back to the, the conversation at hand, uh, <laughs> um, like if you want to take last year, for example, the Oklahoma game and the West Virginia game, two games where the results were completely opposite of what they should have been. And that was last year during a normal, regular, healthy season. You know, that's just college football most years. Yeah. That's going to be a lot more games this year. So me picking five wins, I don't want it to be a cop-out, but there's just so much uncertainty, and there's going to be some crazy – it's going to be a great college football season. It'll be amazing, but some of these results are going to just be wonky, and you just can't predict them. Or, you know, if, you're, if, if I was a, a professional gambler right now, I would not be too happy. I think there's – it's gonna be a lot of stuff that you just you can't really change the odds at all. I mean, it's just gonna be weird. You're gonna see some weird stuff, and I think it's it's tough to to pinpoint where these games are gonna be. But I'm prepared for some weirdness, and five wins is enough for me. I like that about you, Gills. Are you always prepared for some weirdness? Because that's a good motto. That's my motto in life. There we go. Let the weird begin. Next question from Randolph the Iguana. Kleiman has has been pretty open about things since he got here, but he's been pretty cagey about opt-outs and people out with COVID. What's your reaction to this? Yeah, I think that's interesting. It's a good observation from an iguana. Um, I, <laughs> I did think it was interesting that he wasn't telling us who the other opt-outs were, but... Um, you know, if you're a football coach, uh, I'm, I'm going to be really honest here. If I'm a football coach and a player opts out, I'm going to wonder why he's actually opting out. I mean, is it if is it really COVID? I mean, you take Jonathan Alexander. He already had it. And he didn't even get it from his teammates. He got it from home. And then he goes back home for safety. That it, In my book, that made no sense. But uh, I, I don't fault a kid for... You know, if that's really their reason, but I, I would stop and wonder some if if guys are just missing. They they're like, well, uh, I wasn't in shape. I didn't think we were really going to play, so now I'm going to sit out because of COVID because I don't want to look bad. Um, or you know, if they're thinking, well, I'm going to sit out because I don't want to go back. I'm just going to transfer eventually. I I mean, I I. Would as a coach, I'd be uncertain that COVID was actually the reason, or if something else is going on, or just a combination of things. Yeah, you know, can, yeah, you know, something else is going on, and it's convenient. I mean, it's it's convenient for these guys, but you know, I don't think that Kleiman or any coach is going to reveal which players are are out due to COVID. I think that it should be up to the player to decide if they want to disclose any of their medical conditions or, you know, diseases to other people. Um, you know, as far as opt outs, it'd be nice to know 
you know, Hey, this guy, you know, he's out for this year. He'll be back next year. But you know, you just, you don't really know, you know, if they're going to take a year off, you don't know if they're going to keep working out. I mean, like you said, some of these guys might just not have been in shape. You know, they might've let themselves go over the last six months and they just weren't going to be competitive or, or healthy enough to, to play even a shortened football season. So, you know, maybe some of these guys are, are reassessing their football careers and they're just like, Hey, let's, you know, we'll take a break, but they're going to have to, if they want to come back, these guys are going to have to go work on their own and put in the work themselves. And it'll be interesting to see across college football, you know, being essentially locked out of the facilities for however long this is six months, you know, even longer, maybe if these guys are opting out, are they going to take it upon themselves to go find a gym somewhere that is actually open to hit, lift real weights and do real workouts? You know, I think, I think on paper, it seems great, you know, to let a kid opt out and he can do, you know, take it off, keep his eligibility and come back, you know, healthy, ready to go for the next year. But are they going to have the discipline to keep their body in a division one athlete shape? And I think that a lot of guys are, I think a lot of guys are going to slip and, you know, without the nutrition and without, you know, everything else, you know, I, I don't know how many of these opt-outs are going to come back across college football. With regards to Alexander, um, it just doesn't make much sense. I think the only reason would be if this would burn eligibility and it's not. So there's really no reason not to just play. I mean, you've, you've really got nothing to lose, maybe an injury, but you've got a whole year to recover if that unfortunately would happen. Like I, like you said, Fitz, I'm not going to fault any player for doing that, but it just it just doesn't make sense to me. I know there's there's things going on. Um, so maybe COVID could be used as an excuse to kind of cover up what, what really is happening if they want to transfer or something's going on in their personal life. But overall, I'm just, I, I just don't get it really quite honestly. Look, um, the world doesn't stop for a player sitting out. I mean, that's the reality. You're going to have your scholarship. We're going to save your place, but someone's going to play. I mean, if you're supposed to be the safety or a backup running back or a defensive tackle, we're not going to go with 10 guys. Someone is going to play, and then someone's going to be the backup and the third string. The world doesn't stop for you. In fact, the world keeps moving. So when you come back, yeah, you got your spot. Yeah, you got your scholarship. But you may not have your place on the depth chart. That's different. Other players have ascended the ranks and proven themselves because you gave them the opportunity to do so. So I can see some guys being really discontent when they come back and realize I was going to start and now I'm third string. How does this work? Well, because people have earned it and you were off taking care of your health, which is fine and good. But now you've got to fight your way back up the depth chart. That's the way it works. I almost feel like some of these guys are like saying, look, I I don't really want to go swimming. I'm going to take this off and go, uh, go paddleboard in the ocean. You know, it's like, you're not any safer with what you're doing. You're just not doing this. So I, I kind of question motives. Uh, but again, if they're really concerned about their safety and health, I am not going to fault them for it. Uh, because we're all kind of uncertain Some of us are more worried about this than others, and I'm not going to fault anyone for being either way. 
Next question from Wildcat Pilot 88. Seeing that it now removes your name from the roster, what else does opting out mean? Are they still required required to go to class, workout, et cetera? Well, like we mentioned, I mean, they can't go anywhere near the facility. They are outside of the quote unquote bubble. I know it's not a bubble, you know, at least in college right now, like what the NBA or NHL or, you know, what they're doing. Um, but you can't, you can't hang around the team. You know, you can't risk infecting the team, but you're still on campus. You're still going to class. You still have scholarship obligations. I don't know how much, you know, if, if you're still going to nutrition, but you'd think you wouldn't be. No, you're nowhere near no. the team. Yeah, fact, you wouldn't I imagine, be. I imagine the team's told to be careful because they're outside the protocols. You know, be be really careful. Uh, I I bet some of these guys aren't even in Manhattan. I don't I don't think Jonathan is because right now you can take remote classes. You can go off campus, and and I do wonder if maybe some of these guys are eligibility because they were remote in the spring and they didn't. Maybe they didn't take care of business. I'm going to be. Intrigued to see around college football how many of the opt-outs who really intended to come back. I mean, let's be honest. This is not LSU. Guys are opting out because they're ready for the draft. Uh, These guys are opting out. And how many of these guys will actually make it back to their desired campus or end up somewhere else or flunk out or we never hear from them again because they opted out, didn't take care of class, flunked out, were no longer eligible, and COVID-19 was an inadvertent uh, distraction that derailed their life and football career. I, I hope it doesn't happen, but if, even if they're opted out, they still have to take care of their body and mind to be eligible and ready to play next year. Next question from KSU number one. How do you expect the reduced crowds to impact play at home and vice versa on the road at places like Oklahoma? This is going to be strange. It's, it's going to be strange. I mean, um, just imagine going on the road and never have to worry about so much crowd noise you can't communicate. But I think even with 25% fans, K-State fans will be good. They're used to being the underdog and making a lot of noise. Um, but it's just not going to be what it was. It's still football, though. I mean, I'm, when I'm watching college football, even though there's not very big crowds, it's still football. And it was still entertaining. Um, my my bigger concern, this is kind of off topic, is that some people break their habit of going to games. That some people realize, hey, being at home on Saturday and watching the game on a big screen TV in my own living room is a pretty good way to do this, and it's less expensive. And I'm afraid we're going to see college football attendance drop all across the nation in the upcoming years because people have broken their habit of going to games on Saturday. I, I really hadn't thought about that, Fitz, but you know, I agree with you. It's going to take a big campaign to get fans back to the stadium once it's safe to do so. I think that that's um, going to take a lot, and I think I agree with you. There's a lot of fans that are going to be like, you know what, we can just stay at home. We don't need to drive three hours you know, from western Kansas or southeast Kansas or wherever you're coming from. Or you know, if it's longer than that, having to do a two-night minimum hotel room stay – you know, I think that you very well could see a lot of people saying, "Hey, we don't need to, we don't need to take the time every weekend to go to a game," which would be really unfortunate. But I don't think that the reduced crowds are going to impact play much. Um, 
I, I, I think, I guess what I mean is, uh, yes, it will impact. I think that road teams will have a much better chance of winning on the road. There will be less of a home, uh, a home field advantage, so to speak. But I think it's just going to be kind of a casual Saturday afternoon at the stadium for a lot of these games. You know, you're not going to have a whole bunch of students packed together yelling at you. I know we'll get into the students in a minute, but, you know, I just kind of like, I think I mentioned it a few podcasts ago. Remember the K-State spring games? Because that is what the stadium is going to look like. You're going to have about 10,000 people there and they're going to be sparsely sat out. There's going to be a, a casual day at the stadium. Next question from KNED. With K-State having the largest student section and having the students right behind the imposing bench instead of uh, in a corner of the field, do the Cats lose more home field advantage than the other teams? It's a good question. It's a good question. I There there might be something to that. I mean, students have been a mighty force sitting over there. Um, I, it's just such an intangible. I don't know how to answer it, but... Uh, Kenneth, I think it's a great observation. You might be exactly right. It might really. Um, the only other place I can think of it is Oklahoma State with the paddles, where those students are really known and present and kind of interfere in your communication um, before the, you know, you're at the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, I, it's not good. I'll just say that. It's not good for K-State. I think one thing that <laughs> – Yes, K-State students are loud, and it's they have great field position where they sit in the stadium. Uh, but K-State might be the furthest from the actual playing field that fans sit between the wall and the actual field playing surface. It might be the furthest distance away. So if you go to TCU or Oklahoma State, those fans are you – can, you can have a, a casual conversation with a player without having to raise your voice at them at those places. And, and a lot of places, Iowa State is one of those too. You know, those sidelines are tight, and they're actually sitting on top of the players. Um, and, like, when you, when, you know, I, whenever I'm on the sidelines at K-State home games, I'm on the visiting sideline just that's where I prefer to go because there's less people over there. Um, but, you know, it takes a lot to yell at somebody from the student section to the, to the bench. And yeah, while it, it might be loud, you know, you're still kind of farther away and it doesn't really, I don't want to say it doesn't affect them, but it's, it's just kind of different. I don't, I don't know how much it affects the play. I'll disagree but. with you, Zach. You can still be heard. Um, if you're yelling, in the sure. student section, there was the last, the last year against West Virginia, there was some, certainly some profanities being exchanged between some fans what? and some players on the sidelines. So it's going to be weird because I think even the, <laughs> the solitary voice will have a point. You're right. Gills. If, if you yell something specifically at someone, they're going to hear it, mm -hmm. including officials. So it's going to be, that's going to be a little bit different. Also, if you're the fan, you've got a lot more risk because people really know who's yelling instead of being in a crowd where you can blend in. So mm -hmm. that's why I think it's going to be a casual afternoon at the game. You know, you're not packed in with a whole bunch of people. You can't do anything stupid. Eh, alcohol might change that. You know, that's true. Some fans, not me, though. Of that's course. true. Uh, if you do this right and tailgate elsewhere, uh, maybe at Tanner's or the high low and then go to the game, you can get a beer in the stadium. You don't have to get sober. It's amazing. 
It's what a great amazing. segue. I know. What a great segue. Ready for this? Yeah. From Email Wildcat 82 repeating a paused overtime question here. What beer and wine choices would you most like to see offered in the bill? And what will we end up with? Uh, all of your Miller Coors and Budweiser product, Anheuser-Busch products. That's probably what you're going to get. Yeah. And maybe a couple craft beers. You'll probably, maybe Boulevard. I don't know. I, I don't know what they served at, at Bramlage Coliseum, but whatever they serve there is probably what you're going to get. And maybe a White Claw. I don't know. Yep. And some lovely seltzers. Uh, I would like to have Mexican beers, but that won't happen because that's what I drink when I could drink beer. Um, but I would settle. I don't know. Just if you gave me discounted Bush Light, I would drink that at the game. You know, uh, but look, what's a discounted bush light at a football game? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> how much, how much is a discount on a, a bad beer? I remember walking by last year when I was going into Bramlage um, and they had the beer out there and I can't remember what it was a piece, but I was like, what? I'm not paying that for a single beer and it's cash only. And I'm like, Good Lord, you got to raid the child's piggy bank to go to the game to have enough cash to buy your alcohol. <laughs> because if I'm, look, I, I'm going to be honest here. If I'm going to the game and I get to drink, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm not your simple little distance runner when it comes to drinking. I think I'll have a, a beer per half. No, I'm. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And even if it's $7 a, a Bud Light, that's what it is. I wouldn't do it because it's, it is so expensive. But have at it. They have a nice Mexican beer. But see, all the Mexican beers I, I really like come in only bottles. So that's a problem. They're not going to let you have the bottle. I can tell you that. I don't really drink at sporting events, so I don't really care. I don't know what I'd want there, you know. Maybe a blue moon—that's what I would hope for. But I've never, I've never drank at a K-State game. I've never drank at a K-State tailgate because I'm always working for Fitz. We don't drink when we're on the clock. Well, according to me on the clock. According earlier in the podcast, you could have drank in 2016. Uh, apparently, yeah, I wasn't filming anything, but. uh I was working barely. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, we don't drink on the clock, so you have to get your damage done after the game. But we're working after the game too, Fitz. I'm you make us work I'm all weekend. I'm, I'm tyrant. I'm a, I'm a tyrant. <laughs> Last question of the podcast from Salt Hawk Cat. At the end of the day, who do you have more confidence in to land a big-time recruit, Chris Kleiman or Bruce Weber? And I'll say that I think it's it's neck and neck to land the recruit, but I think to develop the recruit, get him to play for four years, get the best out of him, I think it's Chris Kleiman hands down. Um, we've seen time and again with with what happens with Weber and some of his players, not all of them, but um, how he fails to kind of get the best out of him. So I'll, I'll go with that as my answer. I think Chris Kleiman definitely is going to be the one who I have more confidence in to to get the best out of his players. I disagree. Oh, really? Why? Yeah, because let's let's take the the top three K State basketball recruits in a given year, and then if you look at what I mean, I know that Chris Clemens, you know, this is only going to be his third recruiting class here. You know, he has he doesn't have you know as much experience here, but 
you look at Bruce Weber, he is able to land some guys. And if you want to compare, I don't know what the conversion would be and how close it would be, but if you look at the number of stars and you look at the 24 seven composite score, man, basketball is just an easier sport to get the big guys in. I feel like, and I know that, I know that Bruce isn't coach K he's not bill self. He plays clean. I still think that Bruce Weber has a greater chance. Just there's only so many power five or whatever you want to call it for basketball, actual decent starting spots on the floor. And, you know, there's good, there's more than, you know, that many good basketball players as there are slots. So I think that, that Bruce Weber just from that standpoint has the greater chance of landing and, and has, and it gives me more confidence in him to land those guys just based on the, the fact that there's a limited number of spots. Neither one of them are in the position to get a five-star. Um, but I, I'm going to kind of agree with Zach that I think if someone's going to get a five-star, it'll be a one-on-one recruiting thing where, um, you just click with someone and Bruce Weber lands them. Now, maybe it's because the five-star and this, this has happened with K-State in football too. They get the five-star because they're really not as good as the number of stars or there's something going on with them. But I think if someone's going to land a five-star, it will be more likely that it's Bruce Weber in basketball. But I think in terms of recruit, recruiting rankings, I think if someone starts – consistently having top 25 classes overall, I think that's more likely to be Chris Kleiman. Um, um, but so I just cut that baby in half, agreed with both of you <laughs> and try to make no one mad. Even the dog stopped wrestling. It's a good way to end it. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you listening to the go power cat podcast. Uh, we do this every week and we have a different podcast every day of the week. So make sure you're subscribing to the PowerCat podcast. Get on to Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you use for podcasts, and subscribe. They're free, and that way you'll never miss an episode. We'll talk to you next week. Again, we're not doing overtimes this fall, but on Friday, make sure you look out for the first edition of the Tannehill and Spiller podcast as they move from early in the week to the end of the week because that's going to be great leading into game day. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.